Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to The Call Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And you can probably tell by the, the slight raspiness of my voice that we had a long day yesterday. We did a live stream on the uh, the Just Baseball YouTube from Gantry Public House, which was so much fun with our friends at eBay. And hey, Jack, the draft was crazy. Um, you know, we knew it was going to be nuts. Anytime you have no idea who the number one pick is going to be, it just creates this domino effect of of unpredictability uh, any draft is but this one felt a little bit extra and yeah. that's exactly what we got so I- i'm excited to break it all down with you we're going to run through you know every pick in the first round don't worry we will cover the rest of the rounds too and in subsequent episodes to kind of break down everything else and and highlight some of the you know most notable picks but jack this is going to be fun because we're going to try to limit ourselves to about 90 seconds per pick and yeah. get through this entire first round we'll, we'll see how we do uh but yeah, what would you, I guess in like a few words, what would you summarize yesterday's draft if somebody totally missed it and said like, how did the draft go? Yeah, I'd say unexpected. If I had to choose one word to describe the draft, I'd say uh, unexpected. I wouldn't necessarily say chaotic because mm-hmm. I think that teams adjusted on the fly actually pretty well. I think there were two teams that didn't adjust on the fly very well um, and, and we'll get to those. But I guess I would say like, you know, surprising to a certain extent because we we never see this much smoke around the number one overall pick no. pretty much ever. It's no. never really a crapshoot. And, you know, I, I think we went into this year just assuming that it was the Dylan Cruz sweepstakes last year. Um, and, and then Skeens, he didn't come out of nowhere. We knew he was going to be one of the best players in the country. But Paul Skeens, did we really think that he was going to be the number one overall pick before Dylan Cruz? No, no. to be honest. I didn't think it at any point until it actually happened. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I, I really, I think there was always that like in the back of my head, you know, and, and all of us kind of felt that way. Like, okay, well, the, you know, this is still a, you know, a, a once in a decade pitching prospect, but yeah. at the same point, you have those two bats. It just, it just seemed like it'd be too, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say risky, but just, just unique to take the arm in this spot. Uh, but at the end of the day, you see them take the arm and it's like they said they're going to take the best player in the draft. And you could justifiably say you took the best player in the draft by pure domination. Right? It's a guy that's locating a hundred uh, with, yeah. with a wipeout slider and, and already a feel for a change. We talked about it before uh, on the just baseball show. He's instantly a top three pitching prospect in baseball. 
so you know, when you look at it from that lens, okay, it makes sense. You're going to fast track him. Uh, he's going to be in your rotation. He's a guy that you don't have to touch, uh, which, you know, the Pirates have struggled with the development. It, we look at Roanti Contreras not being able to recapture what, what he had and what it looked like he was doing. And I know Solomito looks good. Some of their other guys have, have kind of looked good, but they haven't really translated a guy to the big leagues. And this is somebody that you don't have to do anything with. He's, he's a pretty complete product and he's going to just get better on his own. So, you and I talked about it. We, we said Dylan Cruz was a slam dunk. Uh, then we were hearing more about Wyatt Langford. We talked about maybe how that could be an option. And and it seemed like just at the 11th hour, Paul Skeens ended up being the the, the best option for them to, to do what they wanted to do there. So I don't think you can say it wasn't a good pick. I don't think you could say anything negative about it because I think as long as you went with one of the three college guys, you're okay. I personally will always go with the bat. If you have an equal bat and arm, and to me, I think they're all they're pretty equal here. I'm yep. always going to take the bat, no matter where my organization is at, no matter what it is. I'm always going to take the bat. But when you have an arm this special, you, you you can't discount the Pirates and say they did anything wrong. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and I think that they just drafted for a need. And, and I think that they just looked at their organization. I think with with those three guys, and we're going to get into this as as we go pick by pick, but. With these three guys, we, we mentioned it on the Just Baseball show and on the live stream. Awesome event at Gantry Public House where we were able to do that live stream. Thanks to our friends at eBay. But um, no, man, I we mentioned like these guys are going to get there so quickly that you can account for need. And, and the Pirates, you know, here they are running out Brian Reynolds for the foreseeable future, Jack Sawinski for the foreseeable future. And then they're kind of mixing and matching in the corners. McCutcheon has done a lot of DHing, but... You know, you can slap G1 Bay in center. They, they're finding Henry guys. Henry Davis, Davis is playing yeah, a lot of right field. Them. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I think that they saw, okay, don't necessarily need a center fielder right now because Sawinski or Reynolds can hold it down in center. Let's go get a guy that immediately becomes our two behind our all-star in Mitch Keller. Uh, and I think that's exactly what they got with Skeens. So, we'll get, like, into Skeens, but I've got my stopwatch ready on the iPad. And we're ready to go for let's do 90 seconds for each of the first 10 picks. And after that, we'll do 60 seconds. Cool. Yeah. Makes sense. And then and then I guess the best way to do it is on the back end. We'll recap our favorite picks, a couple of the favorite picks. And that's where we can go deeper on a couple of the players that, you know, we want to go deeper on. Um, Yeah. You ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. I will. uh, I will give you the name and I just want to open the floor to you. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. So three, two. One pirates take Paul Skeens pitcher at a LSU immediate thoughts on Paul. Yeah. Skeens, I mean, Mr. Layton. Yeah, yeah. People talk about the fastball shape and, and I get it, but like shape isn't that big of an issue when it's a hundred and located. If it was a hundred and not located, you might see some Hunter green stuff, but he locates better than Hunter green. So this is somebody that I, I don't know how they're going to handle him. Nothing would surprise me, but I don't think he makes more than a dozen minor league starts. Like, it, why would this guy take any longer to get to the big leagues than Reed Detmers? I don't think there's any reason. And, and I think uh, you you talked about this on the stream. I think a big part of this is that the Pirates probably said, you know, if you sign for us on, with us under slot at number one, we'll get you to the big leagues by X date. You know, we, we will we will start your clock by X date. And Skeens was probably happy to oblige under slot at number one if, if that was the case. Yeah. And, and I just want to know what that date is, because I don't while I think it would be 
jarring. I don't think it is uh, malpractice to have that date be September of 2023. I, I think that this guy, honestly, I saw a quote from Ben Charrington yesterday that said they fully anticipate Skeens throwing in-game in 2023. Um, I think that could be two starts in double, a start in triple, and then it gets up to Pittsburgh. We just did that in a minute 20. That was awesome. Awesome. Number two, clock started. Outfielder from LSU, Dylan Cruz, goes to Washington. Super easy for me. Cruz didn't go one. Skeens is off the board. If Lankford went one, I still think Washington goes Skeens. Yeah. But because Skeens wasn't there, they grabbed the best player of the draft. Yeah, exactly. They they, they grabbed the highest floor while still having an all-star ceiling. And I think this is what, what Cruz's camp wanted. I think this is what Boris wanted. You know, Boris works well with the Nationals relative to the Pirates. And uh, I think this is kind of where they wanted him to go. Better chance of extension down the road. I, I, I just think this is what the preference was. Very volatile system, big upside guys, you know, and I think to be able to add somebody that's such a high floor, the approach, you know, in, in the field to hit and the, the complementary tools pretty much automatically put him on a fast track. He's a top 10 prospect in baseball immediately. You got to be amped if you're the Nats. Immediate follow-up because we do have 40 seconds to play with here. Uh, Dylan Cruz, really incredibly talented defensive center fielder. Does he play center? Does James Wood start to get reps in right? Yes. Yeah. James Wood's already starting to get more reps in right. And I think that was part of the reason why they were excited to get a true center fielder. Hassel's kind of struggled. He's going to lap all of those guys. Absolutely. I mean, Dylan Cruz is the, the, the future center fielder. Minute 16. This is good, man. I like this pace. Max Clark at three to the Tigers, the outfielder from Franklin Community High School in Indiana. This was the surprise pick of the draft and in not a good way, Mr. Lake. Yeah, reports are that, you know, it's going to be somewhere around the full slot value or at least the, the full slot value of the fourth pick, which is which is crazy to me. I mean, Clark is extremely talented, 70 runner, great arm, potential to be like a, you know, a special defender in the outfield. But the, the bat to me. If there's good bat speed. I think there's a lot of ground balls. I don't know how much impact's going to be there. There's some things that need to be cleaned up. I know he's young, but it's not about the selection of Max Clark for me. It's it's about the passing on Wyatt Langford at that spot. You, you have a college bat with a higher floor and a higher ceiling. I think I think Scott Harris and Co overthought this one point point blank. And it doesn't mean Max Clark won't be a good player, but again, it's it's who you didn't draft, not who you drafted. Yeah, no, and I think the Tigers just need talent anywhere. And Wyatt Langford is talent anywhere and very soon. Um, Clark can be incredibly talented. I would say these two have similar ceilings in different ways, but Langford's floor is astronomically higher than that yeah. of Max Clark. Yeah. All right. And I, and I think, yeah, the last thing I'll say is just when you can hit 40 home runs, your, your ceiling's going to be a little different, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Number four or uh, yeah, four. Wyatt Langford goes to the Rangers, the outfielder from Florida. He was gifted to the Texas Rangers. They yeah. couldn't fuck this up. They didn't fuck it up. And they immediately add, you said a, a top 20 prospect yeah. in baseball when you already have a top 10 prospect in baseball and Evan Carter, like factoring into, I guess, the one weak point of the Texas Rangers, even though Leote has looked awesome. I mean, dude, I, this is crazy. Um, one of baseball's better farm systems just got even better, just added a top 20 prospect. And the craziest part is I don't know if there's any system in baseball with a better like two outfielders than Evan Carter, Wyatt Langford. The, the Rangers are going to be aggressive at the deadline, and now they can be really aggressive because you just added another untouchable prospect. You have two of the top 20 prospects in baseball, and then you can trade from from everybody else. Specifically on Langford, 
the fact that he's turning in plus run times at his size, the kind of power that he produces while not being stiff is is really impressive. I think it's above average field to hit. There's potential for 70 power here. Like th- we're talking about a guy that could have a higher ceiling than Dylan Cruz. So it, it's it's pretty insane to to see him fall there. And I mean, props to the Rangers for not overthinking it and just taking the best player available by a, a pretty fair margin there. Uh, this I hate top five steals because it's it's a top five pick, but these next two picks were absolute blessings to to have them fall on their lap. We snuck in just under the tag there, minute 27. Okay, number five, Minnesota took Walker Jenkins, the outfielder from South Brunswick High School uh, in North Carolina. Firm commitment to UNC, not the case anymore. Walker Jenkins just got a bag. And at five, this is perfect. We think that they got the better high school outfielder of the two. Yes, I think they got the better high school outfielder. I think they got the guy that's going to, you know, transition into pro ball a bit smoother and and I think with a bit more impact. I, that's, this is one of my favorite swings I've seen from a high schooler, you know, in, in a while. There's been a few that have been great recent memory, but this is up there with with, with any of them. And uh, the fact that he has the complementary tools that are above average across the board, plus power potential. Um, you know, you, you've probably heard me say it a million times now, but it's just the, the swing is is reminiscent of Manzardo to me with the just feel for contact, how long the barrel stays in the zone. And then you have more twitchiness and you're a better athlete and you can play all three outfield spots, at least for now. Um, if he moves to a corner, he'll play a high end corner. I, I think the twins, the plan was always to underslot. And then Walker Jenkins fell into their lap and they pivoted. And this was a great time to pivot because if you pass on Jenkins there, I think you're crazy. Yeah, no, incredible job by the twins front office adjusting on the fly. They, they, I have to assume they were not expecting to see Walker Jenkins on the board here. So it was going to be Clark or an underslot college option. Uh, and they opted for the guy that was still on the board somehow, some way. Number six, Jacob Wilson to Oakland, the shortstop from Grand Canyon. This was a reach, it seemed. And Wilson is an incredibly talented bat to ball guy. We talked about it. Five punch outs. And I want to say like 287 plate appearances. Yeah. Played 48 games, 49 games. Struck out five times. Yeah. He's never going to swing and miss. But what's the ceiling for Jacob Wilson? Yeah, I told you I had like a a, a sample of like 40 games uh, from last year. And the max exit velocity that I was able to pull from those 40 games was 104.4 miles per hour with metal. Um, That's a concern. The field to hit is elite. The blood, you know, the bloodlines are great. You know, being the son of, of Jack Wilson, one of the best defensive shortstops of, of our generation. But, you know, that's not Jacob Wilson's game. He's a good defender. He's not a great one. So he's not, you're not getting elite defense. The hit tool is obviously plus. But if there's not a lot of impact there, it's it's tough. I think this is an underslot pick. I think they're going to save some money here. And, and also the A's, they always operate. We talk about the trade returns that they that they go go for with, with some of the stars that they've traded. They don't want the high risk, high reward prospects. They wanted the high probability big leaguers uh, that, you know, they feel like at least will play some part in their big league roster and then they'll figure it out the rest of the way. I, I think Wilson's got the upside at 6'3". At least if he can tap into even slightly below average power, then it could be good. But right now, the power is just way too far below average, and it's a concern for me. Yep. Okay. Minute 29.6. I'm good, man. Good. You're him. Yeah. Uh, seven. Rhett Louder to Cincinnati, the pitcher out of Wake Forest. Awesome. Awesome yep. pick. I know we're going to revisit this after we're done with the first round as a pick that we love, but... Yep. Uh, this was this was like the high five type pick yesterday. Yeah, we, we mocked it and, and it and it was cool to see that one, you know, go the way we were hoping. It's just perfect fit. Um, we're talking about a guy that's going to be fast tracked too. like 
I know we're talking about Paul Skeens, but Rhett Lauder has no business making that many starts in the minor leagues either. And I think there's a world where like if, if everything's clicking for the Reds, maybe Rhett Lauder pitches for them a little bit at the end of the year. Remember, Wake Forest managed his innings very carefully, or at least his very workload, well. never threw over 100 pitches. Um, so, you know, there's rumors about elbow issues. We'll see. I, I don't think so. The Reds seem to take him. It didn't seem like a big deal. I think he fits like a glove in a, in a, in a system that has a ton of volatile arms, high upside, high risk. And louder, it gets a lot of ground balls, pounds his own, will climb quickly, high floor. It's exactly what the Reds needed here. I love the pick. And we're seeing a lot of guys that, you know, got up to Cincinnati or are getting to the upper levels of the minor leagues and not necessarily landing the pitches that they need to be. Like Connor Phillips, Phillips looked awesome in double. In triple so far, he looks good, like the stuff's jumping, but the misses are bad misses. Mm-hmm. The guy that's worked out to this point is Abbott, who is pitchability. That yep. was a very safe college arm that you took. And Rhett Lauder, while he has exciting stuff to dream on, is a very safe college pick. Minute 28, you're and done I, on yeah, Lauder. Yeah, and I like ground balls in, in Great American Ballpark. That's it. Yes. Uh, number eight, Blake Mitchell, the high school catcher, goes to Kansas City while Kyle Teal, the catcher from Virginia, was still on the board. Um, we can revisit this. I don't even think we need to do a negative thing at the end of this. No. Um, I thought this was a bad pick because Teal was on the board. If you're going to yeah, go with the catcher, go with the college catcher. Yeah, you know, I, I think there was some like concerns from teams because, you know, Kyle Teal only had the one big year. Um, but, dude, just look at the numbers. The numbers speak for themselves. The swing is nice from Kyle. We'll get to him, though. But specifically on on Blake Mitchell, it's just the riskiest profile imaginable, right? A, a high school catcher is always going to be the riskiest profile. Mitchell's got a 70 arm. He's up to 96 on the mound. And I think that's, you know, a good, he has a good chance of sticking behind the dish and being an impactful defender. But the hit tool is fringy. Power's above average. We'll see. I think people, I think, you know, Royals brass maybe like the, the, the swing a little bit more. But, you know, I, I'm just not taking a high school catcher at eight unless he's some generational freak. And, and Mitchell's really good, not a generational freak. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, I, I thought this was a bit of a reach here. Uh, and I'm interested to see how much they save. OK, minute eight. That was awesome. Um, yeah. We've got some rollover time now. Uh, we're not going to use it this go around. Uh, ninth overall pick, Chase Dolander to Colorado, the right hander from Tennessee. Dolander was the top pitching prospect. Uh, in this draft class heading into the year, then Skeens bypasses him and then Louder bypasses him a couple of starts into the season as well. Dolander was a clear-cut three um, as we enter the draft. He was the pitcher that was available for Colorado at nine. They did it. It was the shoe-in pick. Yeah, A uh, little worried about Dolander's lack of uh, success at the college level this past year and uh, being in the Rockies organization doesn't help his case, but Dolander is as talented as they come. Yeah, I think this was we we mocked this one. I think a lot of people mocked this one and just made all the sense in the world. And I, I think there's a steep drop off, especially in the college arms department from Chase Dolander onward, yeah, like very steep drop off. And I think for the Rockies, they always want to get their arms, especially now. And the, the, the thing is, is it's so hard to throw in a lot of the minor league environments. And then, of course, in the major league environment, it's so hard to get outs. But a, a Chase Dolander that turns into the 90th percentile outcome of Jace Dolander is a guy that can pitch in any environment. And I think that's what they, that's, that's what they're swinging for here. And at the very least, they probably feel like, Hey, you know, we can get a really good bullpen arm in the worst case scenario because of how good the stuff is. But, but I do feel like the upside is here. The, the mechanics are smooth. There's a lot to like He's one of those guys where the numbers don't totally make sense. And you have the opportunity to take a guy that 
has as much upside as anybody in the draft, really, like as, as much upside as anyone. I like that shot to take for the Rockies, who are always going to struggle to find arms with this much talent, whether it's free agency in the big leagues or the draft. All right, minute 42, but we did use that rollover time from Mitchell. Last 90-second guy, number 10, Noble Meyer, goes to the Miami Marlins, the high school kid out of Jesuit in Oregon. Uh, Noble Meyer immediately becomes one of, if not the, top prospect in that org, yeah? Says a lot about the system, but yeah, I think he becomes a top prospect in the org, and that's why I think it was a good pick. Marlins need bats badly. I would have liked them see, see them take Matt Shaw or you know some of the other guys, which we'll get to, but... Noble Meyer is a top prep arm in the in the draft by a fair margin. There was a fun video dive last night. I mean, the fastball, loose arm, lanky, up to 98, slider is gross. Um, the thing is, is that the Marlins system has become one of the worst in Major League Baseball solely off of drafting bats in the first round that have almost immediately not been valuable. So I, I think this is the Marlins leaning into a strength, saying let's take the guys that we can develop inject some talent into the system, especially when they think they're probably going to trade some arms away at this deadline. So I I like the Marlins just leaning into a strength here with Meyer. There we go. All right. That was exactly a minute. Shout out to you, man. Uh, Now you're prepped for 60 seconds to the rest of round one. Uh, Number 11, we've got Nolan Shanwell out of Florida Atlantic going to the Angels at 11. This is a really impressive, really successful bat at the mid-major level uh, going into this Angels system. Can you give me the walks to strikeouts if you have it in front of you? Yeah, I think it's 71 to 14. Yep. Yeah. So FAU competition, not the best in the world, but the approach is fantastic. The field of hit is is plus. I think he's got a plus hit tool, above average power that he gets into in games. So, you know, the, the power department, he looks even better. And, you know, you could talk about the competition. Something I like to bring up is he played six games against the University of Florida and Miami, and he hit seven home runs in those games. And that's when nobody wants to pitch to him and everyone is game planning for him. This is an underslot pick. And I like that by the Angels because you know they use the savings to, to make some other solid picks that, that we'll get to. But um, I just like them taking the high floor bat that they can fast track. He'll probably be in double A this year. And they, they they needed more bats and they needed a hit on one. They have volatile bats. This is a good one. 58 seconds, dog. Congratulations. Okay, uh, number 12, Tommy Troy to Arizona, the Stanford shortstop. Uh, Tommy Troy, this was a, a great pick, and, and he was still here for them. And um, th- this was this was one that I really enjoyed off the bat. Yeah, I mean, plus plus hit tool, 94% zone contact. Uh, I got to watch him on the Cape. I, the bat speed's really impressive. There's some some movement to his swing that I think if, if he quiets those moves a bit, he can start to get the ball in the air a bit more. I think it disrupts the timing a tad. If he gets the ball in the air a bit more in those environments that he's going to be hitting in, he's going to put up some big numbers because the bat to ball skills are good and the power is above average. He's going to play a good defense at second base. He's a savvy base runner. He does all the little things really well. I, I like this as a fit. They've done well with the middle infield guys, and, and this is another one that I think is going to do really well for them. And I think he fits into a really volatile uh, middle infield, I guess, like package of what mm-hmm. Arizona has going incredibly well, because yes. for, for the Lawler and the Perdomo, honestly, and the Ahmed, like you have a Tommy Troy now who yeah. kind of negates all of that risk. Matt Shaw, 13 to Chicago, the shortstop out of Maryland. Uh, you love this bat. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy power. I was showing you some video and we were sitting together and and it, I mean, we saw a pull side Homer at 110 at 450 or 450 at 110. Um, this is special power. This guy's got a 40 inch vert. He's explosive. Uh, I think this is one of the more underrated bats in this class still somehow. Um, I think he should have had more top 10 steam. 
He's not going to stick it short. And I think because of the, the, the fact that he was a shortstop, that's not going to stick it short. He got docked a little bit, but we look at how we were, we were looking at Tommy Troy and some of these other guys. He's going to play a fine second base. He can hit 30 homers. He can be that power second baseman. And the complimentary tools are pretty good. He can run a little bit. I think this was one of the, the nicest snags. And I think Shaw could be a really special bat. There we go. Okay, both of them right around the 55-second marker. Kyle Teal, catcher from Virginia, fell into the Red Sox lap at 14. This was an easy, easy pick for Bloom, especially with what they have going on behind the dish in that organization. Yeah. Tell me any prospect of any intrigue that is behind the plate for the Boston Red Sox, or tell me anyone that should be considered somewhat good behind the plate for the Red Sox at the major league level. Teal immediately becomes the best catcher in that organization. Yeah. Connor Wong, Kyle Teal. You know, I, this was, this was one where I'm glad they didn't overthink it on the one year. Like, Oh, he doesn't have the three year track record, whatever contact rates were great powers above average. He's a great athlete behind the dish and, and he's continues to get better defensively. This was a no brainer for me. Um, I think this is one of the best value picks in the draft. I, I'm, I think a lot of teams are going to regret passing on him. And I think if the Red Sox didn't take him, the White Sox would have. This is a great get for the Red Sox, and they got to be real pumped on it. Can I just say I don't hate the Jacob Gonzalez pick? I slept no. on it, and that's the White Sox at 15. Jacob Gonzalez, shortstop from Ole Miss. Gonzalez provides a level of safety for the White Sox that they just did not have. And, exactly. and you look at the position player prospects. I mean, they, they were in the market for talent accumulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colson Montgomery is a high school shortstop. He looks great. Brian Ramos, um, you know, like he looks good so far. Aside from that, you just need talent and you need like for sure big leaguers. Jacob Gonzalez is a for sure big leaguer. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, my concern was how good of a big leaguer that doesn't matter outside the top 10. You just want for sure big leaguers for the most part. Yeah. And that's why I just didn't want to see him in the top 10. Um, the swing, though, I, the silver lining is, you know, he bails out with the front side. The lower half's a bit inconsistent. And, and you know, he tries to compensate for that by, like, turning inward with his setup. Someone will, even in the White Sox or someone will get their hands on him. They can fix some things. And I think there'll be more power to tap into there. But the field to hit is hard to teach. And it's a 92% zone contact and a good approach. He's a very high probability big leaguer and rare to get up that high probability of a big leaguer this this late as a middle infielder. Yeah, 16th to San Francisco. Um, they have a type. It was Reggie Crawford last year. Bryce Eldridge, the two-way player from James Madison High School in Virginia this year. Eldridge is a mammoth human being. 6'7", 225, throws really hard. He's mm-hmm. a good slider uh, and has some serious juice, too. Do you think he's a better hitter or pitcher at this point? You know, I'd have to see a little bit more of him at the plate. I I would probably bet on the arm when you're six, seven and, you know, have that much room to to tap into more and and athletic. Um, I think there's it's safer to say the arm, but it's it's plus to potentially plus plus raw power. And he's long. The field of hits going to be a concern. You know, we'll see how much he can hit. But. It, I, I'd say the arm just because I haven't seen enough of the bat and it's it's a risky profile, but this is such a fun pick. The two-way guy seemed to go well for them. Casey Schmidt, they told him to just just hit, but he was initially considered a two-way guy. Um, I, I like this pick because the upside is huge. If he can do both, if not, he'll be really good at one of the, one of the two. Yep, 17 to Baltimore. Enrique Bradfield Jr., the outfielder out of Vandy. Um, the, the more I think about this pick, the more I kind of like it because they have so many amazing hitters in that organization. It's the best farm system in baseball. Yeah. And they just added maybe the most speed in minor league baseball to the best farm system 
in minor league baseball. And maybe the only guy that can sniff, uh, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong's defensive prowess in center field. You know, this this was one of those guys that I, I just don't I think he's got a lot to figure out at the plate. And that was why I was a little nervous. But what better team to draft him? Like, this is a perfect situation like this. I don't like to adjust outlooks on players too much by who drafts them. But this is one of those perfect situations. We just had Kobe Mayo on the podcast and he was breaking down how the Orioles, you know, had him swinging a hockey stick and doing all these different things to to maximize his swing, his path, like the swing lab that they have. Like they there's a reason why all of these Orioles prospects pan out. I'm going to go over on this one. I don't care. Um, There's a reason why these guys pan out. They know what they're doing. They know how to get the most out of hitters. You can't teach 80 speed. You can't teach 80 glove. And I think this was the best possible landing spot for Bradfield. I think he knew that. I think his camp knew that. And I think that was a big reason why they end up going to the Orioles here. This is the best case scenario for him. And and I think that with the way that they're able to develop and the way that they do things with hitters, again, go listen to that Kobe Mayo episode and you'll really be bought into the hitting development. Also, just look at the numbers. I think they're going to get more out of Bradfield offensively. And if that's the case, then this is a steal at 17. Just to test your internal clock, how much longer do you think you went over than the allotted 60 seconds? 12 seconds. 25 seconds. Oof. Whoops. Look at you, man. Um, okay. Uh, 18 to Milwaukee. Brock Wilkin, the third baseman from Wake Forest. Yeah. The bat is really good. See a third baseman? No. Really? Yeah. And my concern with Wilkin, look, I've heard nothing but great things about Brock Wilkin, the person and and the makeup and obviously 71 home runs in your collegiate careers is pretty damn special and 30 this year. But crushes fastballs, does not hit breaking balls that well. And that's a concern for me in zone whiff on the breaking balls like and change ups across the board. Basically, any secondary pitch was around 25 percent. That, that that's a concern. That's a red flag, you know, 25% in zone whiff in the ACC in college. Like that's, we'll see how that translates into pro ball. He's long and I could see, you know, he keeps it shorter for how big he is, but I could see you know him struggling with that at the, at the professional level. I, I like Wilkin a lot as a hitter, but in terms of the upside, but, but not at 18, I, I thought this was an interesting pick. I'm interested to see what the money is behind it. Um, and it was uncharacteristic. They go, they've gone hit over power guys the last couple of years and uh, they went, with the hit over power guy with their second pick, but they swung for the fences here. Well, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, all right. That was a minute 10. We got to tighten this shit up, man, but we're going right. to go over this time. Uh, 19 to Tampa, Braden Taylor from TCU slam dunk pick. They, dunk. I mean, this is cool. And I know you fell in love with that swing on your uh, five hour flight and the hour taxing on the tarmac. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. It was a really fun video dive. You know, the data looks good, but I think the swing looks even better. It's it's powered all like it's not plus power, but it's above average power to all fields. He has long levers. He gets carry the other way, but if he turns on one pull side, he can flash plus the field. It hits really good. The swing really does remind me of Christian Yelich and the way that he's able to just generate angles and carry and, and get the ball in the air. He's a savvy base runner. Um, He's a fine defender at third. And I think it says a lot when the Rays stray from their draft model, which is usually high upside high school guys or extremely high risk college guys like a Greg Jones. That's not what Braden Taylor is, but I don't think they were expecting Braden Taylor to be there. They were mostly working out high school guys. And when Braden Taylor fell in their lap, they strayed from from their typical approach. And I think that tells you how high they are on him. And, and I think this was one of the better value picks of the draft. We didn't go over. We were a minute exactly. That's fucking awesome. Okay, 20 to Toronto. Arjun Namala from Strawberry Crest High School in Florida. This was an awesome pick, an awesome pick by Toronto. 
Yeah. I mean, Namala really saw as much helium as anybody. And, you know, when, when you see the the power that he can tap into and the bat speed for a guy of wiry strength at six foot, it doesn't really make sense how hard he hits the ball and he's only going to get stronger. Um, I was surprised to see Namala fall here. And, and the craziest thing is the Jays need position player prospects bad with upside. And I think of the players remaining on the board, Namala was the highest upside prospect remaining. And you're able to get that at 20. That's exactly what the Blue Jays needed. This was the best case scenario for them, I think. Yep. Okay. Uh, 40 seconds. That was really good. Chase Davis went 21 to St. Louis, uh, the outfielder from Arizona. Chase Davis, we had mocked as an underslot guy uh, at six to Oakland. Chase Davis is a raved about power bat out of the Pac-12. This guy is a high floor bat with a chance for a lot more. Yeah. And then, of course, anytime you see that swing that looks like the beloved cargo swing, like carbon copy, it's it's so cool. And it works, though. It's not just like an eyewash carbon copy like this guy can really hit the baseball. Uh, The the exit velocities are strong. The field of hit has just gotten better and better and better. Uh, The approach is really good. Sub 20 percent chase rate. Some of the I I honestly think that this was one of the more underrated bats in the draft, even at where he was selected. I I, we had him underslotted. I thought he was one of the better college bats. The exit velocities are are actually plus, and he gets the ball in the air. Like this guy walked as much as he struck out. I'm shocked that more teams weren't in on Chase Davis earlier. I thought this was a great pick by the Cardinals as well. What level do you think he starts at or ends at? How about ends at this year? Double, double. Yeah, especially with like their ability to fast track guys and like do it in a way that doesn't hamper their development. Like yep. I'm seeing Mason win borderline thrive in yeah. AAA as a 21 year old. I love so, that. No, fascinating. Uh, Colt Emerson went to Seattle, shortstop, high school guy. Uh, Colt Emerson, I don't know much about at all. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, you know, I, I, he kind of fits the mold of of what the Mariners have been trying to do. It's these like hit overpower high school guys. And you know what? It works. I love Cole Young. Um, I like some of the guys that they've been able to pick up. They've been tied to Emerson for a while. He's one of the youngest guys in the draft at 17 years old. Uh, I think he turns 18 in 10 days. And so it, it kind of fits a lot of the draft models being still 17 on draft day and the hit over overpower. Uh, it's going to stick it short. I like this pick. They had a lot of money to work with. Go with a safer high school guy. And then, you know, they they went with a little bit of the higher uh, upside high school guys with the other two first round picks. Okay. Ralphie Velasquez, 23 to Cleveland. Velasquez, the catcher slash first baseman from yeah. Huntington Beach High School uh, in California. I, I've done a teensy bit of the dive on Ralphie Velasquez because my girlfriend, one of her best friends at med school is actually Ralphie's like cousin and not like a distant cousin, like a legit cousin. So I've heard excellent things about the makeup. We know the Guardians ID high makeup guys. Oh, yeah. This feels like somebody that fits into that conversation. And the bat is awesome. He's got a bit more juice than most in the Guardians big league roster and in their organization. Same high school as Nick Prado. Um, yep. and, and I think ultimately he maybe ends up playing first base. And uh, you know, I think that's maybe why he wasn't a top 15 pick was because of the questions about sticking behind the dish and the the, the, the volatility that comes with that profile of high school catcher. But to me, he's not a high school catcher. To me, he's a high school masher. If he sticks behind the dish, that's a bonus. If he doesn't, I still like this guy as a first round pick as a bat alone. One of my favorite swings um, that I saw, you know, in the video dive, I see above average hit plus power. You talk about the makeup. He mashed on the circuit against really good competition. The guardians, I think saw a high floor, relatively speaking bat here. And um, I, I thought this was a great pick. I see a lot of like Josh Naylor, but with more power potential. So Casas, I know you were keyed in on Casas and Casas was a first round first baseman at a high school. 
Do you think the bat is comparable to what the Red Sox wrapped in Casas? I think slightly less. I think less power, more hit. But cool. it's a good bat. Yeah, that's a really good bat. Okay, 24 to Atlanta. Hurston Waldrip, the pitcher out of Florida. Waldrip was a guy that could have gone as high as 10 or 11. Uh, he slid way past that. Was this a true slide? Was this a, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a little worried about, yeah. you know, what this guy's doing? I thought, you know, he was a guy that could slide. And I, I thought Johanny Morales was a guy that could slide because of some some data red flags that I figured teams saw the same thing I was looking at. I think this was this was a, a red flag slide. I mean, when you have a fastball at 96, but opponents are hitting over 300 with it with a near 1000 OPS and you're landing your curveball for your both your breaking balls for a strike, you know, around 55 percent of the time. And he he was a one pitch guy in college, really. And it was just the splitter. Like that's not good. That that's that's risky. Uh, I think we we know the Braves have taken pitchers in the, with their first pick seven of the last eight years, and they're not afraid to swing for the fences with that first pick because they cook in rounds two through five and whatever. Um, so I think they just went with the highest upside arm, uh, highest upside college arm here, which they love to do. And um, I think they are okay accepting the risk and knowing that you're getting a true seventy pitch though with that splitter. I just I'm waiting for an an average pitch otherwise, because I know the fastball technically would grade as above average. It's 96, but it doesn't play like a, an above average pitch. 89 percent zone contact against his fastball this past season. That's, that's just not right. good. Yeah. Minute 21. That's OK, though, because it was all good information. on him. So yes. I want you to feel good about that. That's what I'm uh, for. And Diego, Dylan Head, the uh, high school outfielder out of Homewood Flossmore in Illinois. Um, I, I watched a good bit on him because I was rooting for him really freaky athlete. Like I see a lot of people have 80 grade run tool on him. Um, you know, I, I don't have run times in front of me, but it looks like an 80 grade runner. He's got game changing speed. And we know about the Padres ability to draft well and develop the high school guys that they draft really well. So if yeah. the bat can catch up to the freak tools, uh, I think Dylan head can be a legit awesome center fielder. Yeah. I mean, you can't teach that kind of speed <laughs> and, and that's, that, that's the, that's the fun thing. And uh, I, I think that the the swing is more advanced than people gave him credit for the more I was able to dig into a little bit last night, a little bit now. Um, I, I, I think that this is a guy that I, I would, I need to do a little more of a dive on, but performed well in some big spots. And <laughs> when you can move like that, the Padres are really good at ID and guys that make the smooth transition into pro ball. And, you know, maybe there's not as much risk as people thought similar to James Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, 26 to the Yankees. George Lombard Jr., shortstop out of Gulliver Prep in Florida. Lombard was, I don't know, somebody that I knew nothing about. What did you know about him? What do you know about him now? I just knew he was kind of a projection pick. So okay. you know, that, there, that this was a guy that I didn't have a ton on either, but he's you know, 6'3", shortstop uh, with some whiff concerns, but some exciting pop. Like there's plus power to dream on here at shortstop. So I think that's what the Yankees were looking at. A kid that plays in, you know, in Miami and showed out, you know, in tough competition and continue to do well. But uh, there's some whiff concern. The glove is going to be good. Uh, he's got a good arm. So it's it's one of those picks that I think they also like the bloodlines. His dad was a 16 year pro, uh, but I didn't have him going to the top 30. That said, he was another one of those guys that I think really impressed in workouts and and kind of upped his draft stock a little bit, but. It's, it's, I think a big, big part of why the Yankees liked him is probability of sticking it short and power upside. Got it. Okay. Two more picks to end the first round. Phillies took Aiden Miller, shortstop, uh, high school kid 
This was a guy, it's probably going to be an overslot number, understandably so. Uh, Aiden Miller is incredibly talented, and I think they're going to keep him away from Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Arkansas. And I, and I, I thought as once he swept out of the top 20 that we weren't going to see him get drafted because he, he's one of the older high school guys. I think that's why he slipped. All the draft models hate 19-year-olds, um, and he would have been a draft-eligible sophomore. But props to the Phillies for saying, hey, we'll, we'll try to meet this price and, and make it work because this is one of the best power bats in the high school class. Uh, I think that the bat speed is impressive. There's some moving parts to the swing, but he gets away with it because of how insane the bat speed is. If it, you know, if, if it doesn't work as much in pro ball, he can clean up the moves a little bit. But it's it's impressive launch quickness that allows him to tap into plus power, and he's got plenty of room to add into his frame. I think there's there's potential for even a little bit above plus power, and there's a pretty good feel to hit too. He he has a good feel for the barrel, so I, I like this I like this pick a lot. This is one of my favorite value picks of the draft. We had a mock to the to the Rays because he fits the Rays mold, uh, you know, earlier at at 19. So this was a great get. Yep. And then last pick of the first round, Houston at 28 took Bryce Matthews, the shortstop yeah. out of Nebraska. 2020 guy, 20 homers and 20 bags this spring in the Big Ten, hit 360, slugged over 700, OBP at 481. This guy was flat out really productive in a good baseball conference. That's what I know about him. He's raw too. He was a you know football player and you know, did a little bit of everything. Like baseball was one of the, the things that he did. And, and now he's focusing on baseball and the, the tools are insane. Exit velocities were ridiculous, up to 112 miles an hour, popped plenty of 108s, 109s, 110s. Um, you know, the field of hit is is somewhat of the concern, as as is with a lot of multi-sport athletes that are, you know, just kind of tools over over hit. If that can come together, and, and obviously the the Astros do a really good job of of developing their guys, there's so much upside to dream on here. And we're talking about like a legit five-tool shortstop if it all comes together. To get that at the back end of the first round, I I like the 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 risky, but exciting potential here um this is one of the best athletes in the draft period so it'll be it'll be a fun test for astros player development and if if it works out this would be a major steal we did it baby under under allotted time that was awesome i got you entirety of the first round how do you want to go back to the picks we like do you want to do first round picks that we like do you want to do picks after the first round that we liked uh, it's like I think a couple of like where what what the underslots allowed teams to do um, would be interesting, like and highlighting those and why I like that. And then, yeah, just a couple of picks we liked and then we can wrap it up. Of course, we're going to do more of like a, a rehash by like teams and and everything once, you know, the, the whole draft is wrapped up. Um, but yeah, anywhere you want to start specifically with the yeah, first let's round. Start, let's start. I, I mean, first round, I, I thought Teal was the best pick. Um, I thought Louder was an awesome pick. I do like, you know, what happened for, for Skeens, Cruz, and Langford. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Um, Namala was one that seriously jumped out to me. Matt Shaw to Chicago was one that jumped out to me. Yeah. But I would say if I had to pick two great ones, it was uh, it was Kyle Teal going to the Red Sox at 14, uh, and then Rhett Lauder going to Cincinnati at yeah. 7. I also really like the Johnny Farmello pick. Uh, from from the Mariners. I mean, they go three high school guys. Ty Pete was one one of the guys that had a lot of helium too. They go three high school guys, and I think the system's getting strong kind of quick now, uh, which is great. Farmelo, uh, one of the bats that I thought was kind of slept on and and had some helium as as it got closer to the draft. Kind of looking at some of the underslot spots and, and and picks in the second round that really stood out to me real quick. And then of course we're like I said we're going to rehash it a little bit more. Mac Horvath from the Orioles. I thought Horvath was was one of those guys that had good enough numbers and good enough metrics to be a you know compensation round or late first c- consideration. 
and the Orioles get the UNC outfielder at at 53. Um, this is a guy that I think is going to be similar to Connor Norby, where he just gets into pro ball and hits, and people are like, man, how was he available in the second round? Um, so I liked that get. And then the the A's using their savings to get Miles Naylor, I thought was a, was a really nice spot. I mean, Naylor is somebody that, you know the upside. His brothers are insanely athletic, and he might be the most athletic of the bunch as a guy that could legitimately stick at shortstop and can play you know, multiple spots in the infield if it doesn't work out and is a really good athlete. Um, and then I thought the Reds crushed it, dude. I just wanted to like specifically highlight the Reds. Get louder. Don't overthink it. Then they go get Ty Floyd, who I think is cut from a similar cloth of those like fastballs that just you cannot hit 20 plus inches of IVB. Like it, he's going to be able to just get you with the fastball. He's got to find the secondary command. But we saw what he did on the big stage, 17 Ks in the College World Series. Just off of like, here's the fastball, try and hit it. Um, he's in that Bryce Miller department with the fastball. And then to go get Sammy Stafura somehow with 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 your third pick, a guy that we thought could be a first round shortstop, they're going to have to punt on some picks later. But that's what they do. And they, they did it with Collier. Like, I, I loved what they did here. Yeah, uh, three straight guys in the competitive balance round A as well, right ahead of Naylor and Ty Floyd. I thought that that five pick run was awesome. Charlie Soto going to Minnesota at 34, Thomas White going to Miami at 35, and then McGonagall going to Detroit at 37. thought that was excellent ahead of Floyd and Naylor. Yeah, you know, I think Miami did a fantastic job, all things considered. Like, yeah, I would have liked to see them draft the bat and Matt Shaw or somebody like that. But how about the fact that you don't develop bats for anything. Like I said, the reason why your farm systems become one of the worst in baseball is your bats have never panned out in recent memory. And um, you get the top prep arm in the draft, and then you get the top left-hander in the draft. Two, two guys that, if you flex your development muscles properly, will be top 100 prospects and could be you know, rotation pieces. We know they're going to trade from the pitching. I liked, I liked that spot too. Um, and then one more... I thought the Nationals just being able to snag Morales, Johanny Morales at 40. I highlighted some of my concerns around him uh, and, you know, why I thought he might be a risky pick in the first round. But at 40, I, I on top of Dylan Cruz, that's pretty awesome. If you can get get it to work out with Morales. And then I, I'm sorry, one more. I thought one of the most I one of, one of the guys that I thought really should have been a first round consideration was Colton Ledbetter, mm-hmm. Mississippi State outfielder. We had him mocked in. The compensation round to the Rays, I thought he fit the Rays mold a little uh, pretty well. Really good field to hit, uh, uh, sneaky power, good athlete, transferred from Samford to Mississippi State and, and put up really good contact rates. I thought that was a great get for them in the second round. And and Ledbetter is going to be, uh, I think, another one of those guys who was like college guy that we let the maybe the, the limited ceiling relative to some of the other guys allow him to fall. And we're like, man, I just passed on a really good bat. I think that's going to be another one of those where it's like, man, they got him at 55. We're uh, we're recording at 1130 on July 10th. They are completed with the third round first. Out of Alabama, um, just following the tracker here, some names to jump out. Alberto Rios went 79th overall to the Angels in the That's third round. Such an Rios, Angels the, uh, pick. the Stanford third baseman. Yeah, yeah, I know, especially after what they did in the first round, too. Like, this is just another great college bat, Pac-12 player of the year, Alberto Rios. Josh Rivera, the third baseman from uh, Florida, went to the Cubs at 81. I really like that fit. Trey Morgan, the LSU first baseman, went to Tampa Bay. Wow. And then Sabine Ceballos from um, 
from Oregon uh, went 94 to Atlanta. Ceballos is a college guy that was mighty productive in the Pac-12. He could be a guy that helps a very thin Braves farm system as well. Yeah, one more that I that I liked is you got uh, C.J. Kafis to the Guardians. Kafis was a guy that I thought put up great numbers this year at the University of Miami. I saw him on the Cape. I liked the swing. He's a little bit you know smaller for a first baseman, and there's maybe not as, as much power to dream on, but good feel to hit. Guardians go with two potential first basemen in the first four rounds. Shows you how much they like those bats. It's crazy how fast the picks go on day two, by the way. But Jack Hurley also to the um, to the Diamondbacks. This is somebody that a lot of people had as a top 40 prospect in the draft. You get him at 80. Yeah, That's a nice snag as well. That's it for me, man. That's it for me as well. I, I think Alberto Rios, by the way, one of those college performers that gets overlooked just because he doesn't like have a true position or whatever. I really like that. I that, the, the dad on him, the bat to ball skills, the above average power, the numbers as the Pac-12 player of the year. It's a good spot. Um, I'm excited to recap the rest of these picks and, and we'll do that on the next episode. But yeah, we also have those conversations with Andy Rodriguez and uh, Joey Cantillo to put out. We're going to give our thoughts, you know, on, on, on everything that you know happened this week. But yeah, that's it for this one. And we will have more recap on the draft and more thoughts on that coming very soon. As always, thank you for listening and we'll talk prospects with you tomorrow. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.